Hello everyone and welcome to the Early Stages podcast by APX. My name is Soren. And I'm Saskia. And on this podcast, we guide you through everything you as an aspiring founder or newly started business need to know about the first steps towards building a successful company. APX has invested in almost 150 startups from the early stages of their ventures. And in each episode of this podcast, we talk to founders and experts from our network to dive into one specific topic that can help you as an entrepreneur on your way to success. Today, we're talking about pivoting, how to be ready for it, and when it's time to do it. Let's get started. So my co-host on this episode today is Saskia Rolufs. Investor at APX. Welcome, Saskia. Hi, Søren. Nice to hear you. <laughs> well, it's great to have you in our little digital studio here, Saskia. And, and before we introduce our panel, could you be the one to define for our listeners what does it mean to pivot as a startup? Absolutely. I think pivoting is just super broad to begin with. Um, in general, I would define it as the process of finding product market fits as well as just any type of change to the business strategy. This can be then generated by any type of new insights, uh, customer feedback, analysis, or it might also just be pushed externally, so via any type of market trend. Mm -hmm. and, and from your experience with APX, could you say something about, is this something we often see startups do, or is it more like a clear indication of a startup failing? What, what is your assessment? I would almost say it's mandatory to pivot for any type of startup, especially at these very early stages. As I define it as the process of finding product market fits, you have to just find the best way to actually meet the demand and to provide something to the market that it actually wants. And I think in what we see, at least startups pivot all the time. It's absolutely no sign of failing or that you're not doing something correctly. It's just for, it's a process. It's just how to serve the market best. I think that's a very good point to confront up front here. And, and also, if you if you look around, I mean, there are many examples of companies, obviously, that we all know today for being one thing that used to be something completely different. I think my favorite example is probably how Netflix used to be this DVD delivery by mail company. And today we obviously know them as an online streaming platform. But, but doing a bit of research on this episode, I also learned uh, that Twitter used to be a podcast platform. YouTube used to be for video dating. Uh, and Starbucks used to just sell espresso makers and, and coffee beans. Um, so I mean, there you go. Today, we'll dive into why it's relevant for founders to be ready for pivoting even at the earliest stages, as you just talked about, Saskia. And to do that, we are joined by two founders from the APX portfolio companies, Osterus and Colossian, who both got to the realization that they needed to pivot with their company, with their product. First off, we have Julian Herzog, founder and CEO of Osterus. Welcome, Julian. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And secondly, we have Christoph Sabo, CEO and co-founder of Colossian. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for the invite. Julian, let's start with you and, and your company, Osterus. Uh, your company pivoted. Uh, tell us about your original idea for the company and, and what it is today and where it is today. Right. So the, the original idea focused mostly at the beginning on being an intelligence platform for the HR and, and, and recruiting environment. And what, what we built out as well was not just <clears throat> like a huge database of all the universities in the world, and, and, you know, not focusing on where, what kind of rankings these universities have, but more on where do people study and where do they end up going? 
that's really how we started. And, and in that space, we, we build a technology to actually read CV PDFs because, you know, most still to this day, most applications go in form of a PDF. And, you know, we quickly realized that even though the idea sounded great and we got market validation from a lot of people within the space who said, hey, great idea. Yes, we need this. Yeah, we're getting flooded. And then once we build a product, they were like, ooh, you know, it's pretty, actually, we can't give you the CVs. And then we were, we were like in this in this momentum of, oh gosh, what do we do with the technology that we build out? Can we can we pivot? And how can we pivot that we still remain, you know, true to our overlying goal of just becoming this incredible intelligence platform and understanding and making predictions on people's careers and uh, possibly helping people navigate the, the career world. And so our approach changed uh, fundamentally when a client said, hey, it's actually cool what you're doing, but we don't want to use it for the recruiting sector. We want to use it on making an assessment of a company. Can you actually aggregate lots of public profiles of this company and give us more insights into the human capital component? And that that really happened after one and a half years being on this journey, believe it or not. So pretty late. How did that then feel for you? Because you mentioned that, you know, obviously you've been working on this for a year and a half. You had the initial validation from people saying, yeah, we want this. But then once you actually build it, they say, oh, actually not. So how did you experience this? It was tough. Uh, it wasn't tough in, in terms of, you know, me breaking down and, and having that movie moment where I yell, no, it, it was tough in, in terms of, you know, worrying, gosh, you know, because you, you have a responsibility towards your investors and, and, and to your colleagues and, you know, you're driving the ship and you said, I know what I'm doing. And then it seems like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you have to pivot. You have to change your strategy. And, and for me, it was really worrisome to get everyone on board, but m most important to also convince the investors that this is the right move and, you know, having those conversations with them. But in the end of the day, the market tells you what works and the market told us, hey, here's a product we're willing to pay for. So obviously making a decision was the swift one. It's just the, I, I, you know, the, the things that go through your head in the process of uh, making that pivotal moment. But I can also just like imagine, especially you mentioned these meetings with investors. These are people that you've been trying to sort of convince about the original product, right? Uh, and now you're coming there saying, turns out it doesn't work. We need to do something different. Can you tell us how they reacted to this? Honestly, very supportive. The lucky thing is most of my investors were are, are all entrepreneurs and they've all actually gone through a pivot at one at one stage. You know, if, if you look at the founder of N26, who was one of our investors, they pivoted with with N26 at the beginning was a credit card for children. And the only one that I think didn't pivot, and that's a no-brainer, that was Jörg. He, you know, he, he founded uh, a food delivery company, Lifarando. So there's not much space, I guess, in pivoting there. But who knows? Uh, you just mentioned the one earlier from from Starbucks, which I didn't know that they they pivoted. But yeah, so everyone took it took it really well, and uh, you know uh, supported me on this. Luckily, that's very nice, and I think that also emphasizes or at least speaks to what Saskia just mentioned in the beginning of it being something that is considered normal uh, to those listening to this thinking. Is it is it a failure if you if you pivot your company? I think that's interesting to hear from you, Julian. Maybe Saskia, should we turn to Colossian? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so hi, Christoph. You're the founder of Colossian, previously known as Defudger. So could you maybe tell us about your original idea for the company and what it is today? Yeah, so it's a pretty much a four-year long journey. And when we started with Defudger, The idea was to detect deepfakes. It was 2018. That's the first time I discovered that deepfakes existed. And you know, from the from the first 
side, I was like fascinated, like, okay, you can actually do this. That's crazy. Like, what are the consequences? What, what are the implications of this technology? And where is it going to end? Is it going to stop or is it going to actually, you know, be the new fake news uh, just in, you know, multiplied by a million because you can actually create fake videos with uh, the president saying something that he would never say or famous people saying something they actually never said. So the first thought was that it's, it's scary. We have to do something about it. And, you know, talking to my friends from the technical university, they started brainstorming on what kind of algorithms we can build. And applying to some startup competitions and accelerators, we got validation that the idea was solid and there was actually a need for something like this. You know, once we started working with actual customers and media companies such as Spiegel, ARD, Deutsche Welle, so really big names in the German market, they also loved the idea. But then in the end, after a couple of months, we just did not see that they would be actually willing to pay and put money into this project or, or buy the product. And then it took us a good, a good one and a half years to actually get to the point where we, we, we didn't see that there was a venture case in there and we actually were not able to bring in any paying customers. And funnily enough, we already had paying customers for creating videos. So we were like, okay, there's actually money and it's on the bank account and it's coming from creating a fake video, which we developed our system to, to filter. And then in the beginning of last year, we shifted 100% to work with Colosseum. And then following up on this, because obviously your pivot is um, rather drastic in the end. So you said you did some mini pivots and then you ended up pretty much doing a 180 on your entire business strategy. So how was that for you to actually just make this change? Yeah, absolutely right. It's pretty much from detection to generation. And we had an ongoing joke from the very beginning. If, you know, if this doesn't work out, we will just create fake videos. You know, that, that's pretty much what we are doing, but of course, in an ethical way. And of course, like focusing on the business case and the value for the customer. But essentially, that's what we are doing. We have been expecting that for the U.S. elections, there will be deep fakes and there will be maybe foreign Russia coming in with some fake videos of Biden and so on. But it was mostly what we call shallow fakes. So they just re-edited existing videos. So it wasn't using AI. And funnily enough, now, a couple of actually weeks ago, we have seen some deep fakes from Zelensky. So the time has come, actually. So there will be deep fakes and we still have the algorithms and our investors are still bullish that there will be a market for detection just maybe a little bit later until then we can you know create actually a product that is creating value for customers and their customers are willing to pay for it it's funny to hear sort of the the, the things your pivots have in in common and and also where they clearly separate for both of you um how do you how do you see this development or like the, maybe the question around when you pivot the importance of sticking to what you set out to be originally, which is, as I hear you, Julian, what you did with your pivot versus, Saskia, call it at 180 degrees on your uh, on your mission, in a sense, right, uh, Christoph, going from detecting to creating deepfakes. I like that you, you phrased it, you said mission, because I still believe that our mission, it is 100% true still. So the mission itself did not change. We just also pivoted the mission. We still believe in in, uh, in ethical video creation. I'm not sure that we, we pivoted our mission, 100% sure that we pivoted our focus or at least the output of the product. But in the end, the value, what we represent as a company, it has not changed as much at least. 
it also shifted, but it did not did a 180. Julian, how important was it for you when, when pivoting to sort of have the same purpose and mission of focus with your company, but try to find a way around this issue that you encountered with, well, GDPR and, and, and trust issues, making it trickier to go down the route you were expecting originally? Absolutely. So there were a few things which were going against me. And what I like is that also Christoph started with or has an altruistic, uh, you know, mission, meaning ridding the world from uh, fake information, which was a great one. And our altruistic mission was to provide a service to companies to not miss out on great talent just because you don't understand the data. Obviously, our mission now is to have a great product market fit and, and making sure that A, our investors are happy and B, our, our, we build up a strong, powerful company that creates a lot of jobs, which is also great for the economy. So that's that's currently my sole focus. And I'm hoping as well, like Christoph, to not completely abandon the mission, at least in, in my, my case, I know Christoph is not, uh, and, and see what we can create as a strong product, uh, added value and service for, for the community, I guess. I think the biggest lesson is the market tells you what works. And then once, once you understand what works on the market, you can philosophize and think about what else could you do with your profits and uh, with your with the opportunity that you've been given. Christoph, what are your thoughts on this? It's hard to talk about feelings, but uh, I will try. Um, I think it took some time, as I mentioned, so at least half a year, and it was always in the back of our minds. So it was not like a hard cut. So to, from tomorrow, we are working on this. It was a lot of discussions, a lot of uh, research, a lot of understanding the problem, understanding the opportunity. So it was a very rational decision. So I would, I would not even say it was, you know, we had any feelings about it. If we did, it was excitement that, you know, finally we could create something cool that people want. So in the end, it was, it was very, very rational. And we, didn't, we were not sad to leave the fudger behind or put it on the shelf. But we were actually excited to, to start something new and something that... We can we can grow with and we can we can pitch to investors. So it almost just sounds like the separation between the self and the startup, right? At the end of the day, because you come up with an idea and the market will tell you, and it's just about the excitement then of building something that people want, rather than just stick, sticking to one thing that you think is the best thing to do. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that sentiment. Yeah, yeah, I also agree. I I, I know that in in the team, people are a little bit more. They have stronger feelings towards the startup, but I have always been separated from it. And I always looked at the market and, and, and really looking into where the product can create value and not just for my own vanity or, or, or for, for, you know, because I am Diffager and now I have to dive with Diffager. No, it's always looking for, looking at the market, looking at the need of people. It's a really good learning, and of course, you are you are killing my uh, my romantic uh, idea here a little bit of of sticking true to staying true to the original passion. Because obviously, as you're both saying, like the market will give you signs. Uh, can you tell us uh, maybe Julian first, and then Christoph a little bit about how do you know when it's time to pivot? What was what are some of the signs that you in general should look for? Uh, you said the market tells you what what works, but can you? provide some some insights to yeah, new founders uh, or people thinking about starting a company out there? Maybe it's a little bit too radical, but I, I think the second you realize someone is willing to pay you $1, you know, or any kind of money for whatever you're offering, that's when you know, okay, it seems like we're going in the right direction. And the other thing is you have to consider how big is the obstacle, you know, Because you can always, you always feel like, oh, we got to build X, Y, and Z. And then again, okay, let's improve this and that. And then all of a sudden you just get lost in producing, producing, producing. 
but not actually having a product on the market where you can sell it. And I really, for, for all the first-time founders, I really recommend of understanding how big is the obstacle of getting to your first sale versus what can you already sell on the market with what you have. And once you understand that, it should be quite straightforward which decision you should be making in order to validate that, A, you can monetize, which is really important for all the investors, especially when you want to have a second or, or third financing round. And the other thing is to also, you know, be honest and, and uh, honest with yourself, because I think that's the, that's the trickiest part. People don't like to realize that they were wrong about their assumption. Often it's an ego thing. You know, maybe maybe if uh, I, I could have probably saved a few months if I just would have come to the realization the obstacle is just too high now from all the in, in, intel that I'm getting from the customers. What else could I do with this? And maybe I would have come, you know, come up with that solution myself. But it actually it took it took a potential customer to tell us, hey, you know, this is. This is actually much better for M&A. Yeah, I agree with that point. So we, with this ego issue or, you know, am I am I the startup or, or the startup is me? And um, I think it really just came down to the point that the customers loved it, the investors loved it, but there was no money coming in. There was no willingness to pay and we didn't see that it was a venture case and we could go up to a VC and say, you know, give us a million and we will make it into this and this company. We did not feel that we could, uh, we could, we could make that happen and... Yeah, it was just a very clear equation in the end. But as I said, you know, it, it takes some time. It took some time, took a lot of research and, 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 and talking to customers and actually doing pilots, showing them the product, telling them about the idea, which they loved. And they were just not ready to, to buy it. And also we saw that uh, competitors or indirect competitors were struggling. So in the end, it just really made sense to, to pivot and change the focus. One more thing I'd like to add to that. I think, it, I think Christoph will agree to this. At the end of the day, it's... It's a marathon, everyone. It's a marathon and it's not a sprint. And you, you sometimes see those companies whoosh, go right past you, right? And you're thinking, gosh, you know, they have traction, you know, so early on, what am I doing wrong? But, you know, most big companies that uh, they, they understand that it takes that it takes time. And sometimes you just don't have that traction within the first year or second year. But eventually, you know, you'll, you'll see what, what works and you just have to keep on going. Side comment, Julian. I think it's the third episode in a row someone is saying it, it's a marathon, not a sprint, which is obviously because it's true in many regards. Uh, but it's it's just an interesting one that has really burned into people's minds of how it's like building a company, right? It is just not a sprint. So there's like one universal tip we will give after this full season. It's just like have that in mind uh, when you work on a on a company. Julian, you just mentioned that obviously you just have to try things out and kind of see what sticks then? So how do you know when it's actually time to change or when it's time to maybe change something else? So how do you know which component to shift and when to do this specifically? I mean, if you, you're a very analytical person, you'll just look at what is your burn rate and how long do you still have? But I always describe running an early stage uh, startup as the water's right above your your mouth, like between your mouth and nose. And and uh, the, the water's getting higher until you start generating revenue. And then all of a sudden you can start breathing properly again. I don't think you can set the rule out in general or generalize saying this is the time when you have to pivot. You just have to look at what is working. It doesn't seem to fly. It doesn't seem to be wanted. And that's when, when you when you come to that conclusion, you know, you, you, you have to really quickly self-assess and ask yourself, am I doing something wrong here or is just this product just too complicated or whatever it is? You know, you have to adapt and, 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 and learn uh, from what people are telling you. 
I would be curious to hear from you as well, Christopher, and, and maybe specifically on, because you mentioned that you found out that media didn't want to pay for your service, which was back then a deepfake video detection for, for media. But in your, I'm sure at some point in your journey back then, you were considering, should we keep pushing? Should we keep trying other media, uh, media outlets, other countries? Is, is there a need other places? Uh, versus coming to the realization they don't want to pay. Like, where did you sort of make a line in the, in the sand? Yeah, I, I mean, we were lucky enough to, to test with German companies, which are the biggest in Europe. And of course, you know, we had Axel Springer right next door. Um, but after talking to Spiegel, ARD, Deutsche Welle, as I said, they all loved the idea. But then in the end, the feedback was always the same. Like, this is not ready yet, or, or this is not something that we can afford, or this is not like... So it was it was not good enough. That was the that was what what was coming back, and then we were thinking like, is it not good enough, or is it just that they don't really need it? And understanding better the problem that they had, is that it wasn't such big of a problem. And we were waiting for something to happen. We were waiting for deep fakes to appear everywhere, and it also just did not happen. We were expecting it for the U.S. elections, it didn't happen. And maybe now with the with the war in Ukraine, it, there were some deep fakes and some fake images appearing. But is that in, would, would it be enough, I'm asking myself still, to, to make these uh, companies pay for our solution? And in the end, we, were, we just had enough of basically rejections. So, yeah, it was, it was not necessarily an emotional decision, but it was always emotional when we got this feedback. And we believed so much in the idea. And people were very positive about it when we pitched it to them. But in the end, they just didn't didn't pay any money. And that wasn't something that we can bring to our investors and, and tell them. Both of your companies pivoted and you gave us the story of, of how you did it and why you did it. Uh, did it ever cross your mind to just give up? No, I, I don't think so. I'm really, we always had up ideas and uh, knowing the technology and knowing what other companies doing with this sort of technology, you get a lot of ideas every day. And I never, I would say, basically, you know, the, my point of view is I would never work for a big, big, big company going in every morning at nine and working on Excel sheets. So I kind of never really felt like I, I would just give up and then uh, work for a larger company. I would rather maybe, you know, even give up, look for another idea for for three months and then and then restart. Yeah, but but not not like that. So to give up, no. I would never giving up, but you know, you have these moments, uh, sir, and where you, you I call it the hello darkness, my old friend look, where you sit there and you look outside the window and and usually they went away uh, after I, I t take a shower. That's, uh, uh, but the reality is, of course, you have these moments where you're like thinking, what the F am I doing here? But no, luck luckily, you know, uh, I do have a good amount of stamina going, you know, going a little pun towards the, the marathon. So I never really actually considered of, of giving up, but just looking at it, taking, looking at different angles. Super cool. All right. I think that's a good place to, to end our talk today. Um, I really appreciate uh, Julian and Christoph uh, that you were with us today to share your insights, uh, both about pivoting, but I think also in general about how it's like being a founder, which is uh, what this podcast is also trying to do, right? If you go to, to LinkedIn and you're in the VC or founder space, you'll see a lot of, a lot of uh, funding rounds and, and positive stories. But uh, in this podcast, I mean, we are also trying to, to shed a light on that. It, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, as you said, Julian. 
and it's uh, it's not always easy. You will have the days in the shower where <laughs> where things are not perfect, and and sometimes you need to make a change. So it was very uh, in interesting to hear your insights. Um, thank you, Christoph from Colossian and, and Julian from Ostrus. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. And Saskia, thank you for for joining me today in the host seat here. Uh, do you have a last takeaway from our talk today? I mean, I guess the main takeaway here is that pivoting is fine. And if people don't want to pay for your products, maybe it's time to reassess uh, what you're trying to sell to who exactly. And uh, yeah, just make, make a change. I think that's a good one to end. Um, and, and also like, and, and pivots don't happen just out of the blue, right? It's all about looking out for the signs. They, they will be there. Uh, the trigger is recognizing them when you see them. Um, actually on episode one of this podcast, we talked about timing for starting your company. And I would say some of the, the insights from this episode are also relevant for listeners of this uh, podcast. But uh, for now, thank you for joining today. If you have feedback or topic ideas, send me an email at cern at apx.vc or comment on the episode on social media where we are at APX Berlin. The Early Stages is a podcast by APX produced by WakeWord. Thanks to you for listening. My name is Soren Nielsen and I will be back in two weeks time. We will end as always with a voice message we've received from one startup in the APX portfolio whom we've asked to share one thing they wish they would have known before they started their company. Here's what they said. Hi there, I'm Claudia, one of the co-founders of Fita. Fita is an IoT-enabled home gardening brand that uses cutting-edge technologies to connect people with plants. One of the best advice I can give to new founders is to assemble a team very early on that believes in the same values but is otherwise truly complementary in terms of career backgrounds, skill sets, and personality. 